Chapter 8 Hi, I'm Jason Williamson, Vice President at Oracle, where I lead Oracle's work with the startup and investment communities worldwide. We're set on building the next generation of accelerators and ecosystems, helping startups from early stage to late stage in all the industries. In my role, I've helped many startup founders take their companies from one person to a full team or even several teams. And in my experience, the manager's hat is one of the most difficult hats to wear because founders simply can't clone themselves. How can you possibly trust others with your baby? How can you possibly be comfortable with someone carrying on a task in a different way than you would approach it? If you're hoping to grow your business, you absolutely must become a master at wearing the manager's hat. And in this chapter, David Gardner is going to go through some great advice on how to do that effectively. Chapter 8. The Manager's Hat The manager's hat is the one hat that will enable you to take off all of the others to some degree. If entrepreneurs read and benefit from my little book here on how to put on the startup hats, then I would seriously consider writing another book called Taking Off the Startup Hats. It would focus on how to grow your venture beyond the startup phase by effectively learning to delegate those hats and responsibilities to others. Successful entrepreneurs are typically movers and shakers by nature. We are almost always ambitious type A personalities that move fast and get things done. But these beneficial traits early in a venture can turn to work against us when it comes to the seemingly slow and inefficient tasks of management, responsibility, delegation, and company culture building. What we can get by with in a small team can become a major problem as your venture grows, which unchecked can even be the primary cause of an otherwise excellent venture's failure. You pretty much have to be a control freak to successfully wear all of those startup hats required to get your company going, but you have to learn how to take them all off if you want to grow your company beyond what you as one individual can achieve. It's a bit of a paradox. The very personality traits that make you successful in the first place will cause you to fail just a short time later. First-time entrepreneurs view their company as their baby, and as any parent will tell you, it is extremely difficult to learn to trust others with your baby. Founders tend to hold on to all decision-making rather than systematically preparing others and truly assigning those hats to them. A founder struggling with this transition will often tell a team member that from this point on, you are in charge of something, but then never really give the new manager the authority needed to make decisions and act independently. Having created a team of impotent managers, founders can actually become their company's bottleneck, limiting continued growth because every decision still has to be brought back to them for approval. Managers who have not been empowered are afraid to make decisions or to act decisively because they are unsure of what authority they have to make decisions versus what must be taken back to the founder to decide. At the same time, the founder, who once felt so efficient, is now drowning in a sea of details and has an even greater level of stress than when the company was just starting. 
Founders still trying to wear all of the hats can't keep up with all of the details required to make good decisions in a timely manner. Their decisions aren't timely, and the teams implementing them don't take ownership of them because they feel that they had no say in helping to make those decisions. The frustration level reaches a breaking point followed by staff turnover. At this point, the venture either fails or the company's investors figure out a way to replace you as the CEO. Unfortunately, I have seen this tragedy unfold several times. The problem is that those startup hats keep growing bigger and bigger as your venture grows. When they were little, you could work hard enough to wear them all, but as they got bigger, it became impossible to move under their weight, and you feel as if your neck might snap at any moment. The reason I'm qualified to speak on this subject is because I was once a really bad manager. I sold some of my companies way too early and left a ton of money on the table simply because I could not master the art of management and it was stressing me out. This is a very common problem for entrepreneurs. Of the dozens of startup technology companies that I grew up with that went public, I can think of very few where the founding CEO was actually able to make the transition from great entrepreneur to great manager. I've always had a tremendous respect for the late Steve Jobs, who struggled so mightily with his transition that he actually quit the company he founded, but then returned years later with newly acquired management skills that enabled him to lead Apple to unimaginable new heights. As a full-time investor and advisor now to early-stage startup companies, I spend a lot of time talking to my CEOs and helping them with the various issues they are facing. I have found it far easier mentoring them in how to put the hats on than in how to take them off. The manager's hat is so different from all of the other hats. The other hats are about doing stuff quickly and efficiently and getting immediate results. Management is not a sprint, it's a marathon. If the other hats are about hunting, then the management hat is more akin to farming. It requires patience, and I know very few entrepreneurs that I would call patient by nature. Being a great fighter pilot does not prepare you to sit in the control tower and direct all of the new fighter pilots. It is a skill that must be learned, and it's critical if you want to continue to grow and remain in control of your venture. One of the reasons the manager's hat is so difficult to wear is that it's not just a skill, it's an attitude. Entrepreneurs like to tackle problems head on. Like John Paul Jones, we cry, damn the torpedoes, full steam ahead. We tend to jump headlong into a fight, start swinging and figure it out as we go. Actually, that's not a bad approach to wearing a lot of startup hats, except for the manager's hat. Transitioning to full-time management means sacrificing what you alone can accomplish at the altar of empowering others. Entrepreneurs love to look back at the end of the day and say, look what I did today. I built this or sold that. It's great for our ego to tally up a long list of wins throughout the day, but an effective manager is not afforded such immediate or direct satisfaction. Ours is the almost invisible hand directing others who lead their teams into battle and get credit for the victories. Our focus must transition from combat to directing our generals and the war at large.
Putting on the manager's hat is especially difficult because it's not a hat you can just put on all at once like the other hats. Ventures grow gradually over time. You can't just stop wearing the other hats one day and say, you are now only going to wear your manager's hat. It is a slow transition that involves finding or recruiting team members who can wear a particular hat for you and transitioning that hat to them. It's not so difficult to think like a manager or a hands-on doer, but it's really tough to have to think both ways at the same time depending on the category or task at hand. As entrepreneurs, we get addicted to the individual success we achieve each day. We see what we've accomplished and it feels good like a drug. Imagine how difficult it would be for an alcoholic if rather than going cold turkey, he or she had to gradually reduce the number of drinks being consumed a little less each day over the course of a couple of years. That's what it's like to transition from the star doer to the manager. Okay, so we've talked about how important it is and how difficult of a transition it is, so now, what is management and how do you do it? Management is the seemingly slow and inefficient process of defining and monitoring stewardships. A stewardship is a category of responsibilities for which someone has both the authority to select specific tactics and is held accountable for the results produced by those tactics. The function of good management is a well-defined stewardship. Before I discuss the elements of a stewardship, I need to give you a warning. Never define your stewardships or write job descriptions in a vacuum. This should always be an iterative series of discussions that must include the person that will ultimately wear the hat being defined. I'll give you a bit of wisdom that I did not buy into at first, but one that I've come to believe is a timeless truism for any organization. People only support systems that they help to create. I believe this to be the first rule of management that entrepreneurs must always keep in mind. Human nature doesn't change. No one wants to be a mindless cog in a machine. People don't want to feel used or utilized. We all like to view ourselves as creative and trustworthy to govern our own actions. Everyone knows that there has to be some rules that we will need to follow and that scarce resources must be shared. People also tend to understand the need to be held accountable for the outcome of their actions. These aren't the concepts that will cause your management sorrows. Get people involved in defining what their responsibilities and authority should be and how success should be measured. Jointly defined stewardships are the ones that people really take ownership of and they are immensely motivating. Most first-time managers tend to screw up in the same way. They assign a stewardship, but then don't empower the person receiving the charge with the authority and freedom they need to pursue the objectives using their own tactics and techniques. The worst thing you can do to a subordinate is to try to hold them accountable for outcomes while dictating the tactics they must use. If they are not making the decisions, then you can't hold them accountable for their results. If you hold on to daily decision-making and dictate tactics, then it's not reasonable or fair for you to try to hold someone else accountable for the results. If you try, then you are setting yourself up to be called a dictator or micromanager, and a mutiny is probably brewing. 
What makes a stewardship different from a job description is that it provides the person receiving the charge the freedom to pursue the defined goals their own way. This is not to say that you aren't available to answer questions, to discuss resource issues, or bounce around possible solutions to problems. It does mean that once you have committed to release a stewardship to another person, i.e. crown them with a particular hat, then you no longer make tactical decisions related to that domain. Once a hat is handed off, you never put it back on your head, even temporarily, unless you are clearly and formally relieving that person of their charge. Most people appreciate and find comfort in well-defined stewardships and a chain of command. When you ask someone to help you define a stewardship, you are communicating that you value their opinion and have confidence in their grasp of the goals and issues being addressed. If you jump back in from time to time and circumvent the authority you have promised them, then this will be interpreted as you no longer having that confidence or trust in their ability to make good decisions. You must empower your people to run their own teams or department doing things their way. This approach releases tremendous creative energy. If you make someone lord of a well-defined fiefdom, then they will kill themselves to make you proud. But if you don't really honor their lordship, then they will never take ownership of their stewardship and they will resent you for the false title. I think a maturing moment for me personally was when I realized that there are many viable paths to success. Just because someone does not do it the way I would does not mean that their approach is invalid or needs correction. In fact, you might even discover a better way. The bottom line is this. If a person accomplishes the goals you agreed to, do you really even care what paths were taken in the process? People are extremely fond of their own ideas. When you empower them to implement their own ideas, they become profoundly committed to making those ideas prove out. This is the magic of an empowering management approach. If you are new to management or to good management, then you are bound to make mistakes. You may have your life savings on the line, so when you think you see a mistake being made or know of a better way to proceed, the desire to grab that hat back can be overwhelming. Don't do it. It is almost always better to let a mistake go by than to tumble a stewardship. In fact, you want to create a culture where your people feel that it is okay to make mistakes. Stewardship owners need the freedom to try things and experiment without the fear that you are going to grab the reins back at the first sign of trouble. Sometimes the Lord of Stewardship will try to shrug off some ownership back to you, especially when outcomes seem uncertain. I've often had the owners of a stewardship come into my office and try to get me to make a key decision for them. Sadly, I used to fall for this one all the time. The minute you make that decision, you have released that stewardship owner from the responsibility of the outcome. You can suggest things they may want to try. You can brainstorm the merits of various tactics, but you must make it clear that the decision belongs to the Lord of that fiefdom. You will not make it for them unless they are ready to forfeit their hat back to you. They alone are responsible for whatever happens, be it good or bad. The most motivating words a stewardship holder can ever hear from you are, I have confidence in you 
and I know that you will do your best and that you won't let us down. Believe it or not, people thrive on that accountability, and the faith you show in them is what will cause them to rise to any challenge. This is how you will be able to get the very best out of the people fortunate enough to work for you. Honoring a stewardship also means a deep respect for the chain of command. Be careful to never assign tasks or give direction to someone that is not your direct report, i.e., those reporting to a hat that you no longer own. This is difficult because when your team was small, the staff got used to coming directly to you for decisions when everyone reported directly to you. Now that the organization has grown, they have to learn another behavior pattern. Everyone prefers to go straight to the CEO or founder rather than going to their manager or team leader. If you let them, you are undermining their manager's authority and creating confusion in the ranks. What if their manager asks them to do something different? Every employee deserves to have one boss only. I know that it seems silly and inefficient when you know the correct answer, not to just tell the person asking you what to do, but don't fall into that trap. It is disrespectful to your manager, and it weakens the trust and stewardships upon which you are building your enterprise. The first thing you should do when setting up a stewardship is to establish a definition of what success looks like. What is the goal you are aiming for? How will you know when you are on track? There are many ways to define success. Try to always state your goals in objective and measurable terms. Some goals are always present, while others are shorter-term goals for a given week, month, or quarter. Following are some examples of goals that might be included in a stewardship. Version 2.0 will be in beta testing before March 1st. We will have less than 2% customer turnover this year. Customer satisfaction surveys will average over 90% each quarter. We will be on the stage presenting at seven major industry conferences this year. There will be no Severity 1 bugs in our next release. All customer support calls will be returned within one business hour. We will sign up two major resellers in the second quarter. The average length of new contract terms will be two years. 25% of new revenue will come from the financial market sector. You get the picture. Stewardships should have objective and clearly defined metrics that you discuss and negotiate with your stewardship owners. Never dictate these goals. Jointly defining a definition of success with a stewardship owner begins the buy-in process. The discussion should go like this. Here's what the company really needs and what I think might be possible. What do you think? What other goals should we be targeting? What changes should we be engineering our company and your team towards? Most people like reasonable challenges and they like having a say in what they are going to be held accountable for achieving. They also really like knowing how their part contributes to the company's overall objectives and success. The other great thing about objective metrics is that you can tie compensation to them. Don't be afraid to throw in some BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals. These are stretch goals, but obtainable. Merit-based compensation, such as a bonus or some extra stock options, adds an extra incentive for extra hard work. They can also help to gamify a challenge 
making it more fun. Remember that rewards and recognition can be just as important as money. Giving plaques or a weekend away can go a long way, especially if they are accompanied by a public show of appreciation. Whereas merit-based awards are earned and part of one's total compensation package, it's also great to throw in some unexpected rewards. Letting someone know that you know how hard they are working and that you appreciate them goes a long way. The amount of the award is not as important as the frequency and sincerity with which it is given. Besides defining what success looks like, another important part of assigning a hat slash stewardship is defining what resources the new hat wearer has to utilize. Everyone is competing for resources in a growing startup. Will I be allowed to utilize the admin person or graphic design person? For how many hours per week can I use them? Can I hire someone? Once we hit X goal, then can I add another full-time staff person or buy this software tool? If the Lord of Fiefdom has to ask permission every time before he or she can do anything, then they are little more than gophers. You know, go for this and go for that. A real executive is not going to work in a gopher role for very long. Establishing budgets is a good way to empower your stewardship holders and to make them aware of the resources they can utilize. For example, an inside sales manager might want slash need a new and more full-featured CRM system for tracking prospects. That same manager may also want to add another full-time lead generation person and provide tablet PCs to all outside sales staff. Which do you approve? None of them, because this is not your decision to make. I really hope you didn't fall for that. This empowered sales manager, lord of the fiefdom, owner of his stewardship, wearer of the hat accountable for all tactics and outcomes, is the one who must decide. If the sales manager comes to you asking for advice, then you can and should give him your opinion. If the sales manager wants to beseech you for additional budget, then you can listen and make that decision because this would constitute a change to a stewardship, which is something that does fall under your senior management hat. How they utilize the resources provided to them must be 100% their decision. A budget forces those with stewardships to think critically and to do some resource balancing. They have to carefully weigh benefits and opportunity costs. A salesperson working on a commission will always insist that he or she can't do his job without more and more resources. They must have more leads to select from, more trade shows to attend, and more fancy material to hand out. They aren't concerned about the cost of these items or what other parts of the company will suffer if sales get everything they want. They think this way because they are hirelings that have not yet been given a stewardship with success metrics and a budget to control. Your stewardship holders must control their section of the budget or they won't make good decisions. It is this responsibility and the burden of stewardship they carry that transforms them from hirelings into the leaders upon which you depend. Another thing that should be defined in a stewardship is limits on authority. A budget is one limit on spending authority, but there may be others. If there are certain things you feel that you need to maintain control over, then write them into your stewardship agreement. 
Maybe you want to reserve a veto on staff additions or sign-off authority on expenditures greater than a certain amount. These are okay, so long as there are not too many of them, and they are negotiated and defined up front. Defining a stewardship and officially handing off a hat to a subordinate is just the first step in managing. If your hat wearer is new to the job, he or she will need some training. You may need to do the job together for a while, i.e., you wear the hat a bit longer while explaining the reasoning behind everything you are doing and why. Don't do what many entrepreneurs do, i.e., slap a hat on some poor worker in a knee-jerking act of desperation when you finally decide you just can't take it anymore. Handing off a hat is a big deal. You want to make sure you select the right person to wear it and that you prepare that person for the load. Making the transition from doer to enabler slash supporter is difficult. It's scary to let go of that steering wheel. But even though you are no longer in that particular driver's seat, you can still look out the window for warning signs and observe the gauges on the dashboard. New managers need help. They need a boss with which they can be honest. Asking a stewardship holder if there's anything they need help with is not taking your hat back. It is just being supportive. Try not to be too critical. Constantly reaffirm your trust in their abilities. You want to build their confidence or else they won't bring problems to you or discuss their mistakes openly. It never ceases to amaze me how people can transform themselves into the image of what you say that you see in them. Keep an eye on the metrics. It has been said many times that managers don't get what they expect only what they can inspect. Inspection and full disclosure is your right and your responsibility per the Stewardship Accountability Pact. If deliverables are missed or sales revenue slip, you have a right to ask why and for an explanation of the plan to get things back on track. They are called direct reports because they owe you a written or verbal report at least weekly. Make it clear that freedom and responsibility go hand in hand. This is the other benefit of stewardship. If things really aren't going well, then the one wearing the hat knows that it is his or her fault alone. Let an underperforming stewardship holder know that you will help any way you can. But if improvements are not forthcoming, then you will be taking your hat back. Don't make it personal. Let demoted team members know that you are sure that they did their best, but that all people are not cut out for all roles. It can be as much your fault as theirs because you made the decision to put them into that position. If possible, work to find a role in your organization where that person can be successful. This is what good managers do. Next to undermining the authority of your stewardship holder, the next worst thing you can do as a manager is to ignore them. If you are someone's manager, then you owe it to them to meet at least weekly and even more often in smaller organizations. Don't just chat. Have an established format for your meeting that includes a review of the metrics, areas where assistance may be needed, and top priorities for the coming month or quarter. I started keeping a shared online spreadsheet with each person I managed so we could see the top goals and reprioritize them as needed. My reports and I would type in updates and questions into the shared spreadsheet so we'd always be on the same page and remember to discuss certain items in our next meeting. Remember that if the stewardship you are handing off involves managing others, 
then you need to make sure that the one receiving your old hat understands everything that I've discussed in this chapter. If your company continues to grow and expand, then the process of making and mentoring your organization's leaders will increasingly consume your days. Finally, read everything you can find written by Stephen Covey on management. Although these concepts did not originate with him, he was the first master communicator talented enough to get them through my thick skull. That concludes this chapter of The Startup Hats, Master the Many Roles of the Entrepreneur by David Gardner. If you like this chapter and you can't wait for the next one in a week, you can download and listen to the entire audiobook on Audible. Startup Hats is sponsored by Forrest Firm, a full-service law firm and certified B Corporation with offices across North Carolina and clients around the globe. The Forest Firm mission is to provide legal services that consistently exceed client expectations, create healthy, sustainable work environments for professionals, and positively impact the communities where they live and work. For more information, head on over to forestfirm.com. For more information on the work that David Gardner is doing with his venture capital firm, visit cofounderscapital.com. Startup Hats is a production of EarFluence and read by me, Dave Clark. You can find more information on EarFluence podcast at EarFluence.com.